You're listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Everyone is using Zoom these days for work meetings, socialising, classes. In a matter of months, Zoom went from 10 million users to hundreds of millions. But how private are your calls on there? Last year, it was revealed that on Macs, Zoom could be opened without a user's permission. And earlier this year, Checkpoint Research disclosed that hackers could eavesdrop on calls. In 2018, there was an app update that would install the Zoom opener web server on users' computers, and the app would remain on users' computers even after users deleted the Zoom app. These issues were all addressed, and given the tremendous uptick in usage this year, Zoom has actually handled the increase very well. On top of that, Zoom announced in May that they were building end-to-end encryption into their platform, which means that users can communicate securely with each other and no one else, not even Zoom, can access the call. They started rolling this out last month, and this is great news. But wait, haven't they been advertising for years that they had end-to-end encryption already? Well, it turns out that they didn't have it. They were just saying that they did. Zoom had redefined end-to-end encryption as the connection being encrypted from Zoom endpoint to Zoom endpoint, where Zoom servers themselves were considered one of these endpoints. This means that Zoom did indeed have the technical ability to view video calls and potentially to share them with law enforcement or anyone else. Many in the InfoSec community were outraged when they found this out, saying that this abuse of the term leads people to trust a product that betrays them. One person said they apparently define it differently to every other company, organization, and InfoSec professional. This sort of thing used to be called lying. In May, the FTC announced they were investigating the Zoom security complaints. They said that Zoom's misleading claims gave users a false sense of security, especially those who use the company's platform to discuss sensitive topics such as health and financial information. They even advertised their end-to-end encryption in their HIPAA compliance guides intended for healthcare industry users of the platform. The FTC said Zoom specifically touted its level of encryption as a reason for customers and potential customers to use Zoom's video conferencing services. Now, yesterday, the FTC announced that they'd reached a settlement with Zoom, where Zoom was ordered to update their security. He's a very naughty boy! End-to-end encryption is something the market demands right now, as people move most of their lives online, and Zoom misled people about having that end-to-end encryption. Earlier this year, Zoom admitted to mistakenly routing some meetings through servers in China. These were meetings that didn't originate or terminate in China, and the strange thing was that they weren't routing the calls themselves. They were just sending the encryption keys to a server in China. In June, Zoom shut down the account of an activist who held a virtual meeting to commemorate victims of the Tiananmen Square massacre. In China, Tiananmen Square is not allowed to be talked about at all, and references to it are heavily censored. Zoom said that the shutdown was to comply with local law enforcement. But this was a US citizen in the US who wasn't breaking any US laws. Zoom said that they didn't have the functionality to remove just the Chinese callers from the call, so they had to terminate the entire account. But that they're building that functionality and that the account has since been reinstated. That Zoom is not blocked in China is pretty rare for a US-based company. Many wonder what concessions they made to get this exemption. Google, for example, had to censor itself in China based on Chinese requests. But it's a different situation when Zoom 
Zoom censors itself in the US based on Chinese requests. Due to the backlash against Zoom's misuse of the term end-to-end -end encryption, in May they announced the acquisition of Keybase to help them increase security and actually implement end-to-end -end encryption, but just for paid customers. This limitation just to paying customers was so that they could work more with law enforcement. After they received further backlash against this selective rollout, they then said that it would be added as an advanced add-on feature for all of our users around the globe free and paid. How will that even be possible in places like China with all of the censorship required of them? Well, in that particular example, they did announce that in August they would stop direct sales to customers in China. But what about other countries with strict regulations? In Australia, end-to-end -end encryption is effectively banned because companies are required to provide data to the government when asked, and if they can't provide it because this data is encrypted, then the company could be fined millions of dollars. The EU announced this week that they're doing a very similar kind of thing. The US government is also pressuring companies to make platforms insecure by design, and they have two bills that threaten end-to-end -end encryption currently in Congress. All of this being said, Zoom should get credit for their effort to change from a bad policy to a good policy, even though technically they're now just offering a product that they've said they already had. Their white paper about their encryption strategy also looks promising. But comments from Alex Stamos, who was consulting for Zoom, made people skeptical. We have identified a path forward that balances the legitimate right of all users to privacy and the safety of users on our platform, while maintaining the ability to prevent and fight abuse on our platform. Some in the InfoSec community presume that this balance refers to a backdoor, but of course, there's no way to verify this. Stamos also said that Zoom would not be proactively monitoring calls. But that's different from saying that they don't have the ability to monitor calls. So where does that leave us? Should everyone be avoiding Zoom? I mean, they're not the first company to cooperate with governments. And in terms of quality and features, Zoom is unparalleled. Breakout rooms, superior video and audio quality, and the fact that I can record the audio of participants separately to make editing easier, all of this leads me to still use Zoom for my public videos. But I also like my privacy and being able to talk securely online, not because I'm doing anything wrong, but for the same reason that I close the door when I use the bathroom. Sometimes it's nice just to have a private space. Your choice of platform will ultimately come down to certain trade-offs and understanding what your threat model is. I tested out some of the video conferencing apps that are available to see how they compare with each other and with Zoom. I compared Jammy, Briefing, Jitsi, Wire, Duo, and FaceTime, all offering video conferencing calls for more than two people and claiming to be end-to-end -end encrypted. I'll go into my findings about the quality of each in detail in another video, but for now, I'll just say that if you're not worried about privacy and are just streaming your call to the public, Zoom is still leagues ahead of competition in terms of quality. But if you are worried about privacy, Privacy, and you're looking to have private calls with friends, all of the platforms that I mentioned seem to be pretty good options. But at the end of the day, it is very difficult to know whether a company is actually offering the security that they say they're offering, and whether there are backdoors or bugs that could break that security. So if you're looking for something super secure and you're also being targeted by state actors, I wouldn't recommend using video conferencing at all. I see some very promising video conferencing projects headed in the right direction regarding security, but it's also of utmost importance to be very clear about the state of the technology right now so that people don't think that they have more security than they actually do. 
That being said, I don't think it's going to be too long before end-to-end -end encrypted video calls are the norm, and it will be shocking to think that there was a time when this didn't exist. That is, if the government doesn't outlaw end-to-end -end encryption first. So I would actually encourage the average person to go out and support some of these platforms that are trying to make this end-to-end -end encrypted future a reality. Just be aware of how much risk you're willing to take on. If you have any end-to-end -end encrypted video platforms that you'd recommend, please let me know in the comments. Want to help me make more videos like this one? Visit naomibrockwell.com slash memberships. A huge thank you to all of the NBTV members for keeping this channel running. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. To watch the video version of this episode, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute, or library.io. I'm a Bitcoin and I'm scaring the status quo.